Welcome to this episode of Scales Needed, everybody. Hey-o. Woo! Sunning assholes nevermore. <laughs> yeah, done with that shit. You guys are done with it? Uh, I haven't started yet, so I can't really be done, can That's I? a good point. That's a good point. Um, I'm done with it in my mind. I've gotten... In your mind's eye. In your mind's brown eye. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of people uh, who have now noticed, by the way, that, that Ronnie's butthole sunning has gone mainstream. Yeah. So I just want to say that we did it, folks. Yeah. That's the, we absolutely did it. That's the sand difference right there. That, we made it pop. We, we made did. that b-hole pop. We did make that b-hole pop. It, it, Q French Montana's pop that. You guys don't know that song. I don't know that God. song. Uh, yes. Old fucking is that man. Hip-hop? The only yeah. thing I know about French Montana is that he dated a Kardashian. That's the name of a person? Yeah, French yeah. Montana? <laughs> what the fuck? I don't French. even know what genre of person that would be. Yes. He doesn't either. I know no no characteristics. I can't pick anything. You know, well, he definitely but, doesn't but, do. But but before it's described, I think we should mindlessly speculate about the attributes, and then Chase can assess our accuracy. So French Montana, obviously he hails from Louisiana. That's where the French part comes from. He did not, however, move to Montana. He actually spent a tremendous amount of time in Texas driving cattle, and then when he moved out to California, someone said, "Hey." What are you from, Montana or something? And he went, ha, 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 no, Louisiana. And they called him French Montana. But he's never even been to Montana before. Yeah, it's like English Bill. Yeah, yeah, His exactly. first name isn't English. English Bob. Or is it English Bill? Bob? English Bob. Bob. English, it's yeah. like English Bob. His and first name Bill. isn't English, Little Bill. Exactly. And his first name isn't Little. Yes. It's, he's French Montana. <laughs> French and he's, Montana. And he's here on mm-hmm. in outlaw justice. yeah. yeah. And and the one and incidental point I didn't mention at any point over the course of this, he is also a serial killer at the same time. He oh, was murdering people across all of these states. He's outlawed justice, but yes. he didn't know that he's the culprit. Exactly. The he's, last person he would have suspected himself. He's uh he's mind hunting his way across the country. Yeah, you're not too far off. All right. All stacks up. So who uh, is French Montana? He's just a rapper. Named French Montana, and he goes ha huh? all the time, Ugh. which is which is why I think him and Kanye get along because they both make that noise, yeah. and they also have both been inside of Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, have they? Oh, which Kardashian has he been inside of? I don't, I don't remember no. which one exactly. He was though, right? I think he was with the Kardashian. Hell yeah, fuck mm. fine. I mean. Good job, Montana. I do know that this weekend he just uh, repackaged a whole bunch of singles from the last four years and put them on an album. Wow, and it's gonna it's gonna move like crazy. Nice. That's easy. Wanted, man. dead or alive, French Montana. French <laughs> Montana. <laughs> this roused about. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so butthole sunning has gone mainstream. I and, love it. Uh, I've mm-hmm. got to say that we are definitely on the cutting edge here because we were talking about it before anybody else was. Mm-hmm. And then some, uh, it, apparently it comes from two places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is classic internet, by the way. We talked about Ronnie, mm-hmm. Raw. Ra, Ravi Chander. Mm-hmm. Namaste, Ravi. Um, we talked about Ravi <laughs> talking about sunning his butthole. And then mm-hmm. some chick named Metaphysical Megan, she posted about it, but she did like the classic, like, I've been doing this for 38 years now, but have not been posting about it. And now I'm posting about it because I sun my perineum on the daily. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Uh, and that's why she's so successful. That's right. Well, she, she <laughs> I think Raw was definitely first. I think Raw was definitely first, but I also think that her post got a lot more... Yeah. Uh, a lot more traction because it's like, you know, hippie white chick mm-hmm. just flashing her coochie at the, yeah, at the sun. Yeah, yeah. So we were tagged in that. That photo travels more than... Yes, of, it does. 
whomever. Some, someone that listens to San tagged us in that. I can't remember exactly who it Lots was. Lots of people. But when they tagged us the first time, it was only up to like, I don't know, like 250 likes. Yeah. Mm. And now that post is like a meme everywhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. In <laughs> fact, uh, Josh, Brolin, on the ground. Josh Brolin even got in on the action talking about how he sunned his butthole and then and sunburned it. Oh, Really? Stephen Colbert talked Wait, about Josh Th- Brolin. Thanos? Thanos. Tha- so that was... the See, they didn't explore all their <laughs> options. They were busy fucking around being sad for five years. They should have been thinking about alternative strategies, other inroads, if you will, to defeating Thanos. <laughs> and uh, it was right there the whole time. He yeah. is a sensitive... It was staring you in the eye. Yeah, sensitive. But, of course, for him to defeat him, you would probably have to use that uh, that lens. You know, the one that Thor like has to, like, ah, with all the energy of yeah, the yeah. sun, but all that UV energy directly into the sphincter, and then he will... Uh, explode like Ultron at the end of Transformers I, the movie. I don't think there's uh I don't think there's there's a, a a bad argument to be made there. I think, you know, the fact that Thanos at the beginning of Infinity War was able to manhandle the Hulk mm-hmm. can probably be completely attributed to his Increase. rigorous <laughs> butthole setting. Increased yes. testosterone yeah. from the sun. Yeah. yeah. No free radicals. More like increased <laughs> Testosterone? No, uh, didn't. No, man. But she listed a lot of reasons why butthole hunting is good. She it had was, in it fact, was an essay of yeah. reasons that uh, came from some source. She, no she, doubt. she so, didn't. She didn't make them up. I'm, so I'm sure reasons. she didn't make all those reasons up. She had so many reasons that that it actually began to work against her. Because if she had less reasons, I would have believed her. But there were so many reasons I began to question. It's about too good to be through. true. It's too good to be true. It can't possibly do all of these things. So, um, Greg Glassman uh, <laughs> not, once said of CrossFit, we have to undersell CrossFit because if we told you that like everything it's going to do for you, that it's going to make your sex life better, you're going to have friends, you're going to have all of this, you're going to feel better, then it's not, then you would think we were crazy. So we just have to sell it as a fitness program or whatever when it's so much. He said something to that effect. Yeah. I think butthole sunning is the same thing. Maybe it can do all of those things and it was her mistake. She should have really just stuck to basics let us try it for ourselves made her sale if you will you know once you once yeah. you make your sale just stop talking yeah and then we would have discovered all of these things but they would have felt like more personal because we would have uncovered them ourselves you know and now i can't if i do experience any one of these myriad butthole sunning benefits I have to question, is it an organic experience or am i just manifesting it because i read it in her instagram post and that's not fair it's not fair to us. It's not fair to our buttholes. No. It's definitely not fair to the sun, no. which has seen way more butthole. It, until this happened, by the way, how much butthole do you think per capita the sun was seeing? <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> the sun probably very, very rarely saw buttholes. Well, it does shine on not Cal- human. It does shine on California. Not so. human. Oh, uh, so hey, oh, uh, and that wasn't. Ha, I get that, but I mean, there's a lot of naked people showing their buttholes to the sun in California forever. I'm just that's saying, what backyards are for, right? Buttholes are really closed off from the sun like you have to try pretty hard you have to try really hard you have to kind of be flexible if you live your whole life outdoors in the nude you you, could go your entire life without your butthole seeing sun it would have to be true you could just stand on a mirror i don't know man (laughs) Anytime you do a handstand, that naked. a reflection doesn't yeah. count. Do you get the, is being do you, seen. Yeah, do you get the spiritual energy so. if it's reflected off of a mirror? Not no, at all. Definitely not. not definitely at all. That's not. a tool of man. Okay. <laughs> it's a tool of man. 
Speaking of tulips of man and buttholes, <laughs> is there um, uh, is there is any any possibility that this Meg chick was um, she's just a uh, fallout from Rob's uh, Robbie's sex cult? I think because that's what it looks I don't like know to me. Who she is, but I absolutely <laughs> think there's a possibility that that's the case. It would be a great prank to not only decide to popular popularize uh, pointing your butthole at the sun with you know perennium sunning. But to also back it up with a lot of made-up historical stuff about how monks have done it for 2,000 years or whatever. Benjamin Franklin was yeah. sunning his butthole when he discovered lightning. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> exactly. And then he went, yowza! <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> That's a species spicy meatball! <laughs> and then he jumped into a bucket of water like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> there we go. You mean like French uh, Montana. Like French Montana. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's basically Waluigi. Uh, this rock. scallywag. Yeah. This rough about. Is he a pirate or a cowboy? I don't even know anymore. He's, uh, he's Either way, he definitely two. has baguettes, rickets. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he has a lot of, lot of, lot of parasites. We know that. Either way. So you guys up to thirty minutes or what? On your butthole sunning? No, we're we're right around the ten minute mark. Damn. Yeah, it's definitely not enough. It's not enough butthole talk. But uh, I think we'll we'll move on. Mm-hmm. We can move on. Uh. Speaking of roundabouts, round, roundabouts, round, roustabouts? Roundabout, roustabouts, speaking of roustabouts speaking and of, outlaw uh, justice, <laughs> speaking of roundabouts, there are a lot of them. There's one on Europe. 51st Street now. It was the first one in Austin and it made the news. A roundabout. I hate roundabouts. I don't like them. I kind of do. I kind of dig them. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're confusing when you're driving on the wrong side of the road like yeah. you would be in like Ireland, for example, yeah. but they're they're legit yeah. elsewhere. It's sort of uh, good. Oh, it just confuses a lot of traffic. I live mm-hmm. nearby there. It's true. You and you can there. tell who is really dialed in to the culture of Europe, who just kind of sails naturally into that, versus someone whose only idea of Europe came from, who, who hasn't even seen National Lampoon's Europe vacation, yes. who hasn't even, yes. isn't culturated to that point, whose only, who's only uh, cultural awareness starts and maybe... 2010 Ooh, when they first it. got their smartphone Ouch. they approach that roundabout and they are frozen there is <laughs> nothing they can do I treat, let it go i treat roundabouts <laughs> like four-way stops just as if they're a regular intersection and i proceed right, to go straight through straight it right over the fucking roundabout <laughs> there it is uh, uh yeah speaking of fingers blazing roustabouts mm-hmm. and outlaws Mandalorian episode four. Man, that was felt really like a good transition. Yeah, there's a fifth one now, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, Same. I'm about halfway through the fifth one. Okay. Uh, How dare you be halfway through anything? I, I'll I'll tell you right now. I mean, obviously, we haven't watched it. Don't but, say anything. You know, what I've seen so far has been pretty good. It's a mm. kind of surprising turn of events. Interesting. Well, Let's go that I way. can't wait to watch. Uh, but episode four. The we also we we should also talk about episode three because that one's did we not talk about episode three no. did we no I don't I don't think we did you're right because we were I was out and then it was Thanksgiving I've okay. been wanting to talk oh, about oh shit it. okay so we have two episodes of Mandalorian yeah which uh, which one episode three, three again, was the one where he brought uh, this is the way he brought baby oh, Yoda yeah, yeah. back and he mm-hmm. got his like fucking fully upgraded armor and he's like yo dog I'm fucking shiny yeah, so yeah. Shiny. and everyone's like oh god hell yeah you're so fucking shiny I'm jealous of you bitch and he's like yeah. wait a second this baby's my baby <laughs> and then he I gets wanna... away with the with the the baby and the armor and it's like double birds yeah he's like <laughs> i get everything <laughs> ah motherfuckers i've seen what you <laughs> don't don't boo me i've seen what you cheer for uh, uh yeah so um 
he oh thank you very much herman uh <laughs> he brings back the little baby yeah the child and he gets his super sick armor and then he uh proceeds to butt fuck everybody who's a bounty hunter yep. in that entire space and then yep. his friends the other mandalorians are like, out. this is the way yeah. who and knew that the steel siding of a random rusty uh cart towed yeah. by a robot is impervious to all weapons <laughs> Listen, not important clip. No, stop, stop that. <laughs> listen, seems like you're trying to point out shit. First listen, of all, lasers. Listen, listen you, you get that CinemaSins bullshit out of there. He knew what that cart was because yeah. he's been around the world. He knew it was hardy. The, the lasers, lasers hardy. are light weapons. <laughs> yes. Light reflects off of shiny surfaces. And metal, at one point, even yeah. if it is rusted, was a shiny surface. There yes. you go. There's there the science. Go. Boom! I'm just and saying, why, special... spend, why spend all the money on best yeah. car armor if yeah. you can just rip apart one of those carts... <laughs> Cover yourself H- hanging, in it. On, hanging on yourself, Clint Eastwood presumably, style, in, presumably, in a fistful of dollars. Presumably, there are reasons to everything. <laughs> presumably, there are reasons. Let's not waste time on this. The important <laughs> thing is the Rocketeer showed up at the end, and that was dope. That Did was you badass. know? Do you know who is the body in that suit? Do you know who the voice is? I don't. All right. Oh, it is, is it is it your buddy? The body is Tate. Ah, ah yeah, I figured that. Yeah, yeah, the body is Tate, and the voice is John Favreau. Oh, very nice. I didn't even oh, notice the oh, voice. Oh, nice, yeah. nice, mm-hmm. nice. And did, was Tate in the first episode? He was. was he, he was the thug. I thought I recognized him as the big, mm, bald thug yep. there. With and the also just beard. saw Jungle nice. Book for the first... Or not Jungle Book. See, uh, uh, Jumanji. Uh, Jumanji. Jumanji for the first time in a little while and saw Tate there as well. Right. He is nice. in all things. That so. is one of my favorite games to play. Spot Tate. Spot Tate. Spot Tate is, is so how much bi- How big is Tate? Tate Fletcher? He's or Tate Fletcher. Yeah. He's a large human. Yeah. He's like probably 6'4". 6'4". Like maybe 240 250 pounds. That's a, that's stunt, yeah, does stunts and stuff as well, or is that yeah, yeah, all that that's stuff? A, that's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he originally he was a UFC guy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, MMA guy, and then he kind of was in like the Rogan inner circle for a while. Mm-hmm. I think he was he was like Rogan's traveling like like muscle. I guess <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I don't that know. means. Uh, but he was like in that crew for a while, and uh-huh. he has he has now he owns Caveman Coffee. Great yeah. fucking coffee. Nice. He's got a good podcast and he got like the did a bunch of stunt stuff and now is trying to get more you know like speaking roles because he's fucking tate fletcher gotcha that makes me want to drink caveman coffee now. he's he's legit he's so yeah. fucking cool and i love playing spot tate because uh you'd not go wrong just doing it if you track down every uh every media entity in which yeah. tate fletcher appears what are you gonna see you're gonna see people fighting each other that's right <laughs> henchmen guns punching yeah, uh, getting thrown, around here's, people thrown here's through walls. One it's of my only favorite, good things. One of my favorite spot Tate moments, which, by the way, the game always goes something like this: you start watching something, mm-hmm. and then Tate shows up and go, "Oh my god, it's fucking Tate!" Yeah, it's, I wait, Tate. are you saying that he's not constantly Instagramming from the set of all of these super secret movies? Yeah, being like I'm believe, right? Boba Fett. Check this shit out. <laughs> 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 uh, and then a, just a black car pulls up. He gets drawn into it really quickly. A put, black hood over his head. Yeah, he's gone go. forever. Uh, Check it out everybody i'm boba <laughs> my favorite my favorite uh spot tape moment was in the amazon original jcvd which i don't know if you guys uh, remember yeah, yeah. The, they do they oh kind of, i didn't see the show i saw the movie jcv or the so they so jean-claude van damme released a, a pilot i think mm-hmm. they ordered it for a full season but i'm not sure if the full i'm sure it came out at some point but oh yeah I watched no, the, it. the movie yeah. was jcvd and then the show was jean-claude van johnson yeah, yeah jean-claude van johnson yeah, yeah. there it is yeah. yeah so uh he's in that yeah, yeah. He, that's my favorite one. It's like they're they're doing a movie, 
and Tate accidentally punches Jean-Claude Van Johnson uh, in it. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> it's, it's a fucking great moment. Nice. I think that was the first time I heard him talk on camera. Mm. It's like, oh, fuck. You know who Tate would play a great shit. French Montana? Jean-Claude Van Damme. I was going to say he Tate. Would. No, I'm just saying it's a good French he would. Montana. He would play no, no, a very no. good French. Uh, he's that like, lawless. If you, if you dress up Jean-Claude Van Damme about. now as a cowboy, he is French Montana. Yes. Tate would play in the French Montana show, would play the heavy in every single town French Montana encounters. Listen, I, I listen, Tate. Yes, would. Get me in touch with Jean Claude Van Damme. I will build an entire pilot uh, pitch around Jean Claude as 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 French Montana, sort of a modern David Carradine, a, a, a French speaking uh, cowboy who goes around solving crimes and 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 and, and doing right in this wrong world. Come Except on, let's at the make same this happen. Time, he's also a serial killer. It's going to be the best procedure. No, we're throwing away the serial killer it. thing. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme now, okay? He can't do wrong. He Th- has to do right can all we the make time. A, he walks we, the way, he walks in grace with God. Can, Don't can, you understand? Can we continue making Jean-Claude Van Damme themed uh, uh, shows in which mm-hmm. he plays someone named Jean-Claude Van something? <laughs> yes. Like, and it's kind of a pun. Jean like you should do Jean Claude Van Damned, mm-hmm. and he's like a vampire trying to earn <laughs> his humanity back. Or Jean Claude Van Dambuster. It's a World War One sort of a thing. Nice. Where you know he's dam busting. Or Jean Claude Van Dang, and he just can't cuss, but he does everything normally. He just mm-hmm. can't curse. Yes, yes I'd yes, sign yes. up for that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he should be guest, he should guest star in the mm-hmm. good place, and he should be Jean Claude Van Dang. Well, yeah, we just yes, 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 yes. Or like runs a Bon Me shop or something like that. You know. I love Bon Me. Bon Me is great. It's a little anyway. bread. It's a little bread things. I, they I look like know. hot dogs. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's French. I'm with it. And and Montanan. And there was one in Austin called Dang. So oh, really that's the connection. Yeah. I didn't get that. That's all right. Yeah. It's a local reference. So anyway, Mandalorian. Five one two. Episode three. Shout slap. out. This is the way. Uh, this is the way. Yes. That was pretty fucking cool. That was pretty dope. What was really nice is, I mean, everything has been cool, but in this amazing show so far, but I loved how well-written and just naturally fitting into this world, all of this new Mandalorian mythology that we got is their world and who they are, and it's they're revealing it taking their time to reveal it you know just a little bit at a time and it's making it more intriguing and it's interesting and i just i don't know i just really dig all of this and it's like again it's the kind of stuff that we saw in things that were inspired by star wars for years in samurai jack or in all sorts of other stuff we saw these cartoon shows that had this rich fantasy mythologies being built and yet it always any attempt to redo it back in the star wars universe never quite worked until now and now it's working again, and all is right in the world. This is the way. And I think that's the, the that's the meta point that Mandalorian is trying to make. This is the way. This is the way. I, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's very deep. It's, uh, it's fucking cool. I think they set up a really interesting premise, and I'm curious to see how uh, it continues on. I don't know. How many episodes are in the season? I have no idea. I believe it's eight. Oh, okay. Oh, no, we not, only have three more ton, weeks. So, mm-hmm. and it made me, it reminded me, so, you know, going into episode four, I felt like the episode four was very different mm-hmm. from the first three episodes, yes. right? The first three episodes <laughs> were this contained story of him like, got meeting this, the child, yeah. getting the armor. You got the sense of the first three episodes are basically setting up the lone wolf and cub premise. Right. And now we have the premise, and now it'll just be episodic for the next little bit. For the rest of season one, 
maybe it'll have a climax that brings it all home in, in mm-hmm. episode eight. But then uh, season two, we'll see more Lone Wolf and Cub episodes, visiting a new planet, yeah. getting into new adventures, meeting new crazy characters. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Uh, and and what that made, what mm-hmm. that kind of reminded me of in a weird way is, um, did you guys ever watch any anime? I mean, yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. Did you ever watch sure. Cowboy Bebop? Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So it reminded me a lot of Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. because Bebop does the same thing. It yeah. starts off with like a... a and I'm aware of Cowboy Bebop. I have not watched it. Fair enough. But basically the, the, the season, the, the storyline, it starts mm-hmm. off with a setup mm-hmm. of what, what's going on, who the characters are, how they all meet and mm-hmm. what they're doing. And it has a, a whole series of episodic adventures mm-hmm. where they're on different planets doing mm-hmm. different things and yeah. then, you know running different bounties or whatever. And then it the last few episodes, it brings it all back and brings it all together mm-hmm. and actually creates like the ending of like a real narrative. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the, the vibe that I get from watching, you know, the first three episodes tells like this story of the, the lone wolf and the cub. Right. And then, mm-hmm. uh, the episode four is like a one off, mm-hmm. like probably characters that you're not going to really see again. Maybe you'll see the Gina Carano character. Yeah. And I don't know. But like probably characters not going to see again his interaction. You start learning a little more about him. But yeah. this like episodic thing, and then they bring it back together at the end. And I was like, I haven't seen a show, yeah. or live action show that does this ever. Well, that's least. the thing. Well, I mean, I, 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 I there's, there's, I there's 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 plenty of live action shows. I mean, like old adventure shows and stuff like that. Used to be a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think that that. That I don't know what, what I find. Yeah, wait, Cliff, you were going to say something. Well, no, I mean, that, that, that used <laughs> gonna, to be before I get started. That again. used to be for the most part how shows were. Uh, it's just we've gotten uh, obsessed with serialization. But as yeah. uh, South Park proved, there are limits to serialization. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you can't serialize the hell out of everything because that just leads to lazy storytelling ultimately. Mm-hmm. And you so, leave all these fucking like Netflix Marvel shows where it's like all the characters were thinking about a thing and then they decided to do that thing over the course of the 60 minute episode and but next episode in our 13 hour long series they'll do the thing that in this episode they decided to do. And like that kind of this ridiculous Netflix kind of hyper serialization where literally nothing is allowed to happen over the course of a single episode. Uh, and again, it's, it, it, it often works really, really well when good writers tackle it, but it often works really, really badly when other writers essentially take a two-hour feature film story and just stretch it to 13 hours mm. and have the same amount of decision points and a little bit of filler B and C stories in the background. What's really cool about this, and I just, it's interesting to read all of this misguided uh, criticism there's not I mean, there's a lot of praise for it but if you pierce into any little article that's there, and there are articles trying to criticize the mandalorian currently you can see these people struggling to watch the raw they're, they're attempting to watch a show that they're not watching they're like i won one of the titles i really liked was uh, Mandalorian should develop its characters more. You know, it needs to develop its characters more. As if, and it was interesting even to hear your description of those first three episodes. As well, you know, now it's it's telling like this 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 arc with the with the with the baby Yoda, and now they have a one off. I view all four of the first episodes as one offs, with just a little bit of just enough of a continuing through line to develop the characters, to invest you in the characters and their drama as you go along. But if you look, each episode is built around a single mission with a single set piece, and that set piece is the episode. So it's like protecting the baby Yoda across the desert, and it becomes the set pieces, the the big Jawa thing that he has to fight his way up, and they steal all of his stuff, so then he has to go and he fights the thing, and it's basically just an ep- episode of Samurai Jack. It's it operating in furtherance of this 
I mean, story that you could call the through line, but it's so archetypal, like the the warrior, the little baby he's protecting, that you could just watch that episode completely on its own, and you would need no context around it. And that's what's beautiful. Again, I about an, a show like Primal or a show like Samurai Jack. You can just watch these things in in isolation, in the same way that you could an old adventure show, an episode of Bounty Law, or whatever the real equivalent was back in the day. You can watch an episode, and again, it's the same thing that Law and Order and stuff does these days, single episodic things, but they're just these beautiful little archetypal stories that are so well done. And so I find it hilarious when I read this criticism, but like, how come there's not more plot threads, and I haven't learned more about his backstory, and all of this completely unnecessary just static that we're just used to hearing now. It's just we're used to all these fucking characters and all this stuff that feels like it's making the world more robust. It feels like it's making the world more more dynamic superficially, but it's not. Like, that's why uh, I watched the first season of Jessica Jones, but I didn't watch the second season. I watched the first season of this, but not the second season. It's because there's this illusion of a robust story world, but it's not actually there. And here you actually have a robust story world because you're telling a story that people actually want to watch and then individually you're telling these beautiful little stories and it's funny to see people their mind can't do the u-turn fast enough to catch up with this new way of doing it and so they're like i don't understand this doesn't feel like house of cards the way by the way you pointing out an interesting thing that uh, i don't think has been identified of why it is that everyone universally has the feeling that this feels like old star wars yeah. this feels like star wars from the original trilogy why well, the original trilogy of Star Wars was the only time they were actually true to the fundamental archetypes. The fundamental—that's how George Lucas wrote the screenplay for, you know, the, uh, the 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 first Star Wars movie, and that's sort of how they all played out in that first trilogy. These archetypes don't change; they're just in our DNA, literally, in the way that we've continued continue to tell stories. When you break away from telling those kind of stories. Everything feels off and you feel uncomfortable and nothing really makes sense or feels right. That's what the prequel trilogy was very much like. And that's (laughs) definitely, definitely, almost in an even worse way. Even though the prequel trilogy was less well-made, I guess, than this new trilogy, the new trilogy is even further away from any identifiable uh, archetypes or stories which are actually embedded in our DNA, which is why it feels so... Icky. Well, it bears a superficial similarity to those things, but because of any real, I don't know, but underneath it, it lacks any kind of interesting bones. And the other thing, and, and by the way, just a less, to get less abstract and be more grounded about it, the original, the reason it feels that way, and I think this is, this is the same process, but the originally, original Star Wars is genre stories, simple genre stories that he was familiar with from pulp fiction from uh, from serials, from all of these things, just redone, recontextualized. What was episode four of The Mandalorian but The Seven Samurai? It's just the movie. Yep. It's, it's that classic story. It's a Japanese story that has been recycled from, you know, uh, Western to Japanese to back to Western to now high, being hybridized. Don't forget right the here. 30s gangster movie starring Bruce Willis. No, absolutely. There was a 30s gangster movie starring Bruce Willis directed by, oh my God, what's the, uh, you know, uh, the Warriors uh, and stuff, Yeah, right? the guy directed the Warriors. Fuck uh, it. No, I might get that wrong. Fuck it. Forget I said that. No, yeah, anyway, but the point guy. being, the point being that it's the fucking Seven Samurai, and it's just, and uh, that Walter was, Hill. That, well, just, hold on one second. Let me just. Um, 
<laughs> now you've lost my I've lost my train of thought. Armin, go ahead. I was gonna say uh <clears throat> I was gonna say yes, it's the seven samurai. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. But in right, agreement. So, uh but yes, it is the seven samurai. But w- again, it's what is really interesting and what began to sort of emerge to me, especially in that fourth episode, was how much these stories that we kind of ignored telling for a bunch of years because we got so exhausted post-Star Wars. We got so exhausted uh, telling genre stories over and over and over again, especially, I mean, in through the 90s, early 2000s, that a lot of these things are kind of due to be revisited in a way that is a little bit less fucked with, or in a little bit way that is a little bit less obscured, less revisionist takes, less interesting inversions of values, less inversions of expectation, and instead just, um, you know, stories that are just really resonant and good, and I think that's what it is. So what you're saying is if we played a uh, massive online role-playing game... Go on. Like Mass, I'm interested. Like mm-hmm. Mass Effect. yeah. And uh, when it came time to like do dialogue with any of the NPCs, we were only allowed mm-hmm. one option for what mm-hmm. to say, yeah. and that option is A. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a very fun game. No, it would not. And the thing about Mandalorian is yes. that there seems to be like option A, B, C, D, E, F, and G oh, for dialogue. Hmm. That's oh. how I see it in my head. Oh, do you mean just by virtue of the fact that he has a helmet and you cannot read his emotions and that sort of exactly. thing? Exactly. No. No, I mean, oh, it's okay. like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen this oh, episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Is he for going sure. to continue with Baby Yoda or are they going to fuck a big uh, ATST up? I don't know. Are That's they going to go to the desert? Is he going to kick this thing off a cliff? Yes. It could happen. What's really nice is that you have absolutely no idea what is going to happen, but on every, but you very fundamentally know what needs to happen, and that's he's got to continue being a dad. All right, so so just take that. Let's use this as a great teacher teachable moment about storytelling. Teachable moment about about storytelling. But you just but but Chase brought up a very good point. He has no idea what's going to happen. Truly, uh, the, the what happens in the world plot character decisions the kind of thing that you know like a netflix show would just 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 drench all over everything just like a fire hose plot those sort of things he has no idea what's going to happen because it's because it's so open-ended you know he's not like well in the next scene that's when vincent d'onofrio is finally going to walk into the lawyer's office that he said in the last episode he was going to walk into so we can make the decision so to kill the guy in the next he has no idea what's going to happen and yet fundamentally we know even though we've never seen his face what the Mandalorian needs to, even if we can't quite articulate it, we know that there is something just all gummed up in his soul that 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 relates to that child, and that he needs to express that, get through that. He has to push through to the other side of this membrane, whatever it is. He's in total chaos now. He's you know all the bounty hunters of he's gone against his values he's taken the child all these things we know that he has to get to the other side of this membrane and even if it means his his material devastation that it will mean his spiritual salvation and that that has to do with saving this child and we don't even if we don't know anything else we know that about him and we know that we're going to stick to this story that regardless of what dark turns it takes it needs to that has to happen in some form compare that to ray <laughs> In the Force Awakens, just fucking love bringing her up. I know, but I'm just, and I mean that, and I mean that in the sense that 
uh, compare that to Ray or compare that to Finn or compare that to Rose or compare that to any of these things. And that's largely what I mean when I say that. And I don't mean to just I think that people latch on to a lot of the superficial criticisms of things like Last Jedi or Force Awakens because it's easy to sort of kick it when it's down and they feel something's fundamentally wrong and they don't know quite what it is. But I think that it's just something that superficially has a similarity to what should be resonant stories, but largely I just think they, you know, I mean, I just don't think, and I and I don't even think this is because the people who were involved are necessarily not talented, but I think that things were done very, very quickly and they were thrown together very, very fast and you can see that in the script. You can see a first draft, even for The Last Jedi, that is pawing at things that it thinks are important, but it never had the time to really develop those things. And so you have something that's kind of an, an echo of something that's supposed to be a good story. There's something there with, you know, fucking Oscar Isaac's character and what was probably supposed to be Princess Leia and there was a relationship there and that could have been something or whatever. Yeah, but it's just not there. And then when it's in, and it, it, it just throws it into such, 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 such high relief to then suddenly like look at something like Mandalorian and know, oh, I feel so secure in my uh, in that, I so feel so compelled, I should say, by what's going on there in that story. Just, I just, I guess, I, my mind doesn't know what to do. My my rational mind is like, oh, it could be anything, but my soul knows exactly where the story needs to go. And I think that with a lot of movies these days. Uh, they they give you a lot for your brain to think about that's coming plot stuff character stuff oh remember because that's the same character that in episode three of game of thrones and it's just they give a lot for your mind but very little for your actual heart to latch on to and i think that mandalorian is reminding us of that very 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 strongly right now yeah so, i mean and it, we can't fake it they do a great job in in the fourth episode of sort of planting these seeds of mm-hmm. you know what happens if you take the helmet off it's like can never put it back on yeah it's like that's it and it's like that's it for you yeah but this is who he is yep. like he can never be himself again mm-hmm. if he were to take that helmet off and we it also sets it up beautifully we know the helmet is going to it, come off it has to come off yeah and then but we all <laughs> but and here but keep in mind we know this we know that whatever he has to do because the tension is obviously between his 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 duty to his bounty hunter honestly the only thing thus far that has kind of confused me is like why weren't the mandalore and it's it confused me in kind of a good way because i hope they account for it i thought was expecting the Mandalorians to, to be also pissed. be pissed at him yeah. for the thing and for everyone to be coming after him. And at the end, that Rocketeer moment, as much as I loved it, I was a bit confused by it. But uh, that's been the one thing. But I'm, I have enough faith in the show because the rest of it's going well that that will make sense in the fullness of time. But at the same time, it's like, you know that helmet has to come off and you know that him dealing with that helmet coming off is going to and dealing with this baby, this 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 baby that he is now taking care of, is going to be the thing. Is going to be that trial that's going to both probably destroy him and save him at the same time. Isn't it amazing, by the way, that we've had this? We've had The Mandalorian, a show about basically a, a an action figure character from two from like you know Star Wars, uh, the original Star Wars. He's basically built just to be yeah. an action figure. Uh, who only became really interesting because Vader was like, and no disintegrations. And it's like, oh, fuck, this guy disintegrates people? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then from that point on, he became really fucking popular. But we have this entire show that so far has not anything to do with Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And yet when the opportunity arose in the original, in like the prequel trilogy to like, 
you know, have anything at all to do with Mandalorians. It was like, let's do Jango Fett, yeah. Boba's the clone father, army. who's the who's the source of all the clones that were the clone army. It's like, <sighs> oh god, damn it! Yeah, that it, seemed it, really well, weird. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a uh, it's a beautiful way of just not realizing what worked about the other thing hard. It's like, he, if he doesn't have the helmet on and if he's not doing the thing he does, there's really no point in investigating the character. Django yes. Fett, who has no helmet never and just talks a lot in a New Zealand accent because uh, they oh, were shooting hi, in Bert. New Zealand, I so, guess. Now, my name's Django. I've been thinking about <laughs> I've been thinking about this lately, and I realize love disintegration. Why is why is why is it we all would look back at Phantom Menace as being like the example of this? And I realize that Phantom Menace, in a way, kind of had to lay down on the wire to let all of us crawl over it. Because if we think of where did even online video essays started, they started with the Mister Plinkett's Phantom Menace review, and we now live in a world where we have this this amazing perspective because we get to see the iterative development of like Spider-Man. We've seen 12 different iterations of a Spider-Man movie. And so we all have really good and well-informed opinions about what does and doesn't work in a Spider-Man movie. And I'm realizing that it's interesting to look back on like on Lucas's folly, but it's like all of the knowledge we all currently have is because we realized the same guy wrote the same ish type characters in the same world and to talk about like this is i think a problem too difficult to explain but is fundamentally related to even the netflixification of a lot of writing but it's he connected only the brain things the rational things it's like that guy is Django, who is the dad of boba like these are the same characters that dro- that droid was made by darth vader don't you see textual connection these people are related to those people and therefore they are imbued with vicarious significance. And then I'll just write any story with that. And you realize that it doesn't matter because the connections that were relevant to us weren't the ones that were rational. That wasn't dad, son, he's his brother. Holy shit. It was not that. It's instead the actual stories that were the undercurrent of those things. And so he exported the wrong half of his brain because he was at that point an old man who was probably very used to paying bills and running a company and that part of his brain had 40 years to develop yeah. and the other part of his brain the spiritual side in the 60s that was just doing drugs and thinking about space and connection just wasn't there anymore and so those stories just weren't in him yeah damn you know? he was on the wrong kind of drugs and then cigarettes and coffee was, rather than marijuana that's right phantom menace is a cigarettes and how else do you explain aside from cocaine how else do you explain a <laughs> A, uh, a, a, a a fantasy film that opens with a trade federation dispute that's discussed in a boardroom other than a man who had been doing nothing but smoking cigarettes and coffee and, and dealing and, with boardroom. He's like, yes. you know what the most the biggest evil that children are going to hate their entire yes. lives when they grow up? Bureaucrats. Bureaucrats. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> he's not. bureaucracy. He's not wrong. Uh, yeah, and you can see the, the sort of uh, the bastardization, this like telephone game-esque yeah. version of it being just morphed into its worst version yeah. when you get to this new trilogy <laughs> where it's like oh you took all the fucking mistakes that were made with the prequel trilogy of everyone needs to be related to everybody else and all the lines need to be very fucking clearly drawn in yeah. black permanent marker from one character to the next and only yeah. created a, a world in the next trilogy you're like we had 30 years pass with like everything that you knew and uh-huh. loved is gone but we're gonna make it about the same fucking characters, nieces and nephews doing the same fucking shit to one another, mm-hmm. even with the giant death ball returning. But this time, more giant, more death, more balls. More balls. 
Because once you, once you, <laughs> uh, to follow up on a point that Chase initially threw me on, but which makes tremendous sense now. Hell yeah, it. Chase. Chase, when you said that for the Mandalorian, you had no idea what was going to happen, it initially threw me because my perspective is, well, every episode of the Mandalorian is very predictable. You sort of do know what's going to happen. But you were talking in a different sense. You were talking about in the Netflix sense of everything being connected in a detailed textual plot where you knew mm -hmm. what was happened in one episode was a setup that was going to pay off in the next episode in a very concrete textual way. So, But in a way, what The Mandalorian has done is brought us back to a different way of storytelling where technically you don't have any mm -hmm. idea what's going to happen. You've been given no textual clues as to what's going to happen, but... At the same time, you do know what's going to happen because mm -hmm. the fundamentals are there, because the drama is there, because the archetypes are there. You feel what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You didn't know if he was going to turn back and save Baby Yoda in the uh, in episode three. He was getting on a ship, turning his ship on there. You didn't know that he was going to save Baby Yoda, but, but you, you knew, knew. You he knew was going to save Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. You, you didn't you, know it here, but you knew it in the gonads. But you the, could feel yes, it in your dad's balls. You, you didn't yeah. know that he was going to continue on his wandering ways and not settle down mm -hmm. with this lady. But you also knew but, that. And keep in mind that, but keep in mind, and this is a very important distinction. Very important distinction here, but keep in mind that, kind, that kind of knowing, that kind of knowing as a deeply as you just say as a, something that is deeply felt and wanted like you want him to go back and save baby yoda and you can try and chalk that up to something superficial like well it's because they made a really cute baby yoda and because of fucking money uh or whatever the fucking thing you want to say I, that's basically whatever i hear whenever i whenever anyone oh, talks yeah, whenever crazy. basically whenever anyone talks uh no but um <laughs> Ouch. but uh not you guys of course present company excluded um <laughs> but uh but Nevertheless, but that there is just something qualitatively different about that. I know he's going to go back for Baby Yoda versus the, and I think this is why people have been resistant to this kind of storytelling for a while, seeing the same beats played out over and over again. So you feel like, of course, he's going to go back and save the cute kid, but you just don't fucking give a shit because it didn't load anything into that relationship or into the dilemma of that central character such that saving that kid kid solve something internal within him you see the mandalorian struggling with this sense of duty hey take some time off give me my next job he's just going he's driven to do something and it's very much a metaphor for people being driven by their work and therefore neglecting the human side of their own life he literally wears a mask that covers his emotions you know he's being driven 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 to do these things so there's something wrong inside and we know that the baby yoda is going to fix it so when we know he's going to go back for baby yoda we know we we want to see that story beat play out because we know what it's going to do for our main character versus yeah, we set up there was a fucking cute kid, and the cute kid said some stuff, so of course the guy's going to turn around and go back because the kid was cute, but there's no connection, and there's no problem being solved inside of our hero by saving the cute kid, but he's still going to go back and save the fucking cute kid. It's like, it's like superficially, that's the same beats, but it doesn't, it's not loaded with well, the same it, it, significance. In the Netflix show, he would have gone back to save the kid because yes. he realized that the kid was a on, his wardrobe, connection. on his wardrobe <laughs> had, had some key fob that was yes. necessary to open no, no. the box 
box he was traveling you're to. You're wrong. What it would have been on Netflix, the Netflix version would have been he would have realized he would have realized because it would have been revealed to him that the kid is actually the son of someone who was his brother but isn't. Because if you watched episode three, you would know that you <laughs> fucking lame you. Um, and that's the Netflix version. Instead. And instead, it's a it's a scary kind of storytelling. It's not a writer's room friendly kind of storytelling. It's not it's not a I've got a magic marker and I've got a bunch I've got six guys and gals around on coffee and we're all gonna beat it out on the the up here and we're gonna sign individual episodes and bleh. it's not that it's not that kind of storytelling. It's not that TV kind of storytelling, but it's it's a more effective and easier kind of storytelling if you just let it happen. Yeah, I think um, it's been a while. Probably the last time that I watched a show that I was like, I had like an oh shit and like leaned forward moment was probably The Boys. Mm-hmm. Mm. Boys I still haven't watched The Boys. God damn. Gotta I get on I'm a, I'm, I love anything that like kind of Seth Rogen uh, touches, um, but I but have not watched it yet. There, there are a couple, there are like moments in The Boys where you're like, oh shit, like I kind of know that this is what needs to happen, but I also am like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. Like yeah. this is crazy. Uh, and that moment you know where he is sitting in, in episode three he's like sitting in his fucking spaceship and he's like turns everything on you mm-hmm. can't see his fucking face but pedro pascal like fucking acts the shit out of it mm-hmm. like, pauses for a second hesitates sees the fucking like uh little the ball handle, thing. little ball mm-hmm. thing and he's like fuck it i'm gonna go full leon the professional on this bitch and like just yep. <laughs> and it's like oh yeah hell yeah, yeah. I, I really want to see that happen oh Spe- shit speaking of great lone wolf and cub movies uh leon the professional there it if is you have not seen it it's released under either one of those two titles in america leon or the professional but god damn what a good movie yeah. everyone everyone yeah, it's gonna be great um nice yeah man i i, I <sighs> i'm worried about the new Star. I'm just kind of hoping that the new Star Wars like puts the nail in the yeah. coffin, and ends this shit forever, and we can just have like it's supposed better to, movies. It's supposed to end like shows. 24 different plot lines, dude. Yeah. It is okay. It is currently Saturday, December 7th. Mm-hmm. This movie comes out in less than two weeks. It is not rated yet. Mm. They don't have a picture lock to rate the fucking yeah, yeah. movie. Oh, I'm sure it's. What being... is a picture lock? Sorry. As in, they haven't finished the movie yet. Yeah, oh hell yeah! I love last second stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, it's probably gonna be great. It's Before a yeah, disaster. I, yeah. This is a fucking disaster. Yes, yes, I love yeah. it. Well, well, thing is, I I am shocked, quite frankly. How how not aware I am that there's a big Star Wars movie about to come out. Yeah. I'm so and the thing is I'm so dialed in currently to like Disney Plus and Star Wars and Mandalorian to a degree that I've never and like even when you were just saying to me it was two weeks until and I've been distracted lately but still I'm like it was kind of just I took me a second to catch up and I was like Jesus that movie is coming out are there trailers yet and then I had to go back in my brain and think about it for a second yeah it's weird it's, man I, I, so. I'm sure it's gonna be just a MacGuffin chase after MacGuffin chase into disappointing conclusion but, but, but oh sorry go ahead I was just. gonna say but what if this what if it is just episode 7 and 8 of the Mandalorian <laughs> and they just roll it, it? honestly like if they rolled not... that instead it would be dope i yep. would be i would be honestly relieved that would get that i predict get my that, ass would, in the that would get bigger box office than finishing this trilogy disney th- th- disney idea if you go see the fucking whatever it's i don't even know what the fucking name of the, the third jedi called. something the, what is it called R- rise of skywalker oh jesus killing yep. the jedi jesus. Uh, <laughs> um okay so, but the if i go Yes, exactly. But if I go see Rise of Skywalker, just say I'll play the remaining episodes of The Mandalorian, all of them before. I'll go. I'll show up oh, for no, that no. shit. Just, no, do this, do this. 
play every episode, play through episode seven of The Mandalorian, and then say episode eight of The Mandalorian, the season finale, will play in the theater after the. Uh, oh yeah, they get you to stay. Oh, yeah, yeah, they get you to stay. Um, or do they want to get I you might to stay? Or do, they, they don't know, give they, a shit they, after you buy they, the ticket. Yeah, they, yeah, put they, it up front. Yeah, yeah this isn't this isn't make it easy. Watched. They make just want easy. yeah, they want to put it up front, just like the Animatrix. It's a double feature. It's a double Animatrix feature. and Dreamcatch. Is we there any chance that. that um, is there any chance that it's just <laughs> a like hour long movie and the whole MacGuffin chase is like, oh, we got to do this to stop the bigger, badder, ballier Death Star. And they're like trying to do all the shit, and then it just goes off and kills everybody. Mm-hmm. Like they're all on one planet, and they all die. And then it's like, what if that is the done. end game? That is the end game. Is like we decided we had a really interesting artistic vision. It was the same artistic inspiration we got once we realized Rogue One wasn't turning out really well. What if all the characters <laughs> died at the end of the movie because we're sorry we did this, <laughs> and we pretended it was an artistic choice? I and then slowly, 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 certain executives started to separate themselves from from Lucas. <laughs> yeah, I would I that'd be so badass. I don't I can't think of a situation in which this this movie is redeemable. Well, I that's the thing. I hope it's just a fun JJ Abrams adventure science fiction movie. Like honestly, The Mandalorian has proven look at any one of those episodes. The Mandalorian has proven that, you know, if you tell a fun adventure story and god damn it Look at the first Star Trek movie. J.J. Abrams can tell fun adventure sequences and stories. Then just do that thing. The problem is it's not going to be that, I don't feel. It's going to be loaded with a bunch of things because they feel like what they're actually needing to do is somehow land some sort of thematic ship that they didn't really set up in any big way. They're ending the Skywalker saga. Or whatever, yeah. And so, and I have a feeling it's going to be a bunch of people slowly intoning character resolutions that I, I don't remember being set up or I don't remember or care who they are and then and that's why I don't really want to see it if you told if, if people left the theater and said holy shit guys all the characters showed up at the beginning of the movie and they said the bad guy who we introduced very quickly just got away with the thing and we're all going to go after him for fucking two hours and kick his ass with lightsabers and stuff and the Literally movie and the movie <laughs> the mo- exactly exactly <laughs> I would say God, and they said you know what rollicking good time character stuff's a little wonky kind of a bunch of threads that were not we were left open-ended a bunch of shit that was not addressed from the second film time heist but time heist exactly and if that were the film if that were the film i would show i'd see it twice i really in that sense and and some part of me the chaotic part of my brain almost kind of thinks that maybe that there's a chance that they'll try and make it fun or jj abrams will try and make a fun movie out of it and so I hope that happens, because I inevitably will end up in a theater for fucking two hours watching the thing, and so I hope that it is fucking good, but it's funny how little I'm, I, I don't know, I'm just so I don't even, in. I don't even remember who's, um, like, I know Kylo Ren was set up to be a bad guy, but I don't know if he's still a bad guy, I don't know if Ray's a bad guy. No, of course he is, because they I even had the know chance anything. to do something interesting, and then they didn't at the end of the last Is he? I, I don't know. Is Luke alive? I don't know. I have no idea. Is Yoda? Uh, no. All I Maybe know, they only thought he died when he disappeared, but really that was just some new force trick fake out <sighs> where you can disappear and then reappear again. That sounds more right. Mm-hmm. And he disappears and his clothes fall? Is he just naked? He's just yeah. like, he's like, oh, my he's, fucking Luke dick is everywhere he's now. He's running around <laughs> and it's fucking, just slapping around. He's like, check it out. I've been sunning my butthole. More force powers. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick. Uh, that would be dope. Yeah. By the way, we never left this thread. Um, I left this thread on. So we 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 acknowledge that episode four was Seven Samurai, right? But yes. why is episode four Seven Samurai? Because I've also heard people say, 
well, it's just seven samurai. But the question that here's the thing about the Mandalorian, and this is of course all endemic to the fact that it's a cowboy story and a western and a western story as well as a samurai story, is that we he wears the helmet. What's wrong with him? What's the missing piece? The fact that he's suddenly obsessed with a baby is a pretty strong indication of what that piece <laughs> is. But what does episode four do? You finally reveals the fundamental the fundamental conflict within him. You can see how badly our Mandalorian wants to stay behind, <laughs> wants to stay in the village, wants to stay with the woman, wants to stay with the woman and the baby. But he feels an obligation to, uh, like all the great cowboys, just say, "Ma'am." Like uh, Ethan at the end of The Searchers, you know, once he has delivered the girl, he's turn around and he has to walk back out into the wild, walk back out into the frontier because there's still work to be done. You know, he can't yet come home from the range and like have the baby and the child. And but what is it? What is the resistance that is making him stay out there? We don't know what, but we know that somehow saving the baby Yoda is going to bring him to that place where he can come back eventually to the village, some village, you know, even if this one burns to the ground in the next episode, you know, some village, some home is the thing that's, that's I mean. missing. And so that's the, that is the ultimate tension, the ultimate conflict. And of course, you, you know, the, the whole helmet thing is metaphor for that. It's all built in. Once you take it off, you can't put it back on. In other words, once you come in from the cold and decide to have a baby and settle down, you can't put the helmet back on. And so it's all just really interesting. And it's and so anyway, why Seven Samurai? Why is it evoking all of this? Because that is the same, that idea of the heroes, it's the same idea in High Noon, the idea of the hero, or Shane, or any of these other things, that idea of the wandering hero, the small town, the home, but he has to protect it, but remain apart from it at the same time. It's basically letting you in on, yes, the reason he's obsessed with this baby is because he's a cowboy, and he's dealing with a cowboy's dilemma. Right. You know? It's mm. like it's like if Unforgiven had a prequel explaining William yeah, yeah. Money's past and him settling down. Yes, exactly. That's what the Mandalorian pretty much is. Something like that. It's wow. like a kind of a bad dude who realizes he might he might have some redemption left in him, yeah, yeah. but he has one last ride. Yes, we know that kind his heart of. is one very, very sick. We know that his body and his his ability to do like to act with strength in the world is higher than anyone else's. But we know that his heart is very, very sick. And when that's the dilemma we're trying to solve. You can only disintegrate so many people. Exactly. Which also, by the way, I didn't, I didn't bring, I didn't finish off my point about the no disintegrations thing, making Boba Fett so fucking cool. We never see Boba Fett, uh, disintegrate a single person. I've seen Mando. Mando (laughs) Mando disintegrates people left and right. And it's fucking metal. Yes, it's he so sure good. He is not shy about disintegrating. Or, no, and disintegration's fine. You're like, oh, I'm disintegrating, and then you're just disintegrated. But he is also not shy about setting motherfuckers on fire. Yeah, he loves and using that Roasting them in their fucking uh, suits. And I think that, that even that harshness, and that's a good point, actually, that, that harshness. You know, pushes him into that William Money, Jamie Lannister kind of a territory where you can see around him. Like the the violence has to be at least a little harsh because you have to see why is his heart so sick? Why is this weighing on him that he has to keep doing this over and over again? Because it's unpleasant, but he feels like he has to. And then we also see that his duty for that has something to do with his sense of tribe and that it's his duty to bring back as much of this whatever the thing is. I don't know. It's just really cool stuff. Versus, by the way, so they've created... Just like Luke at the beginning of Force Awakens, they've created a heart that has a tremendous longing in it. But what's nice about it is that they've stepped back and thought, well, what are the other stories, what are the other things we can do to put a tremendous longing into the heart of our main character? 
so they did that in fundamental terms versus, and I don't mean this to shit on it, but as to bring it up as an analogous example, you look at Force Awakens, who tried to also put a longing in Ray's heart literally by putting her on a desert planet, which is the exact same thing as uh, Luke, and having her like look longingly at the stars and wanting to be a pilot. Luke did that once, too. Yes, exactly. I think Anakin did that as well. And again, I get that their stories are supposed to somehow parallel each other, but now, since the cat is out of the bag, that there were no story plans underlying that other than... And I think it's a relevant point, too, because we didn't know if she was related, not whatever. It means that quite literally, in the most literal sense, there was nothing underlying those moments aside from the superficial... You know, the iconography, the images being replicated, there was nothing under it. And that is the interesting distinction if you want to know what the difference between Force Awakens and Mandalorian is. They looked at the, the Luke staring at the two sons moment. Mandalorian said, what is that fundamentally? It's about a character who has a longing that we're going to stick through this whole story to see it satisfied. They said, desert, sky. And did that instead. And smoldering face. And, and I don't even mean to... It's smoldering face. Whatever the thing is. And they did those two things. And even fucking... And they attempted a variation with the orphan thing. Except it's not really. And that Luke also was searching for his parents. And so it's the same... It is literally just the same concretes. Versus Mandalorian. Different story. Different character. But is... V- feels like Star Wars because we can feel that he's longing for something and we can feel that it also comes from that same soup of westerns, samurai movies, those type of genre stories. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've been talking about Star Wars a lot. Um, It's fitness related. It's it's important to us. Uh, Speaking of another archetypal story of good versus evil playing out in the real world. I don't know if you want to bring up the, 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 the CrossFit NSCA thing. Oh, shit. I, yeah. totally, I totally fucking forgot Fitness. about that. CrossFit versus NSCA. You know, when we when we traveled the HQ, uh, when I traveled with you, I thought that this was already pretty much done. So whenever this news came out, I was like, oh, finally, it's like public knowledge. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that we were still waiting on something. And that was a massive fucking check from the NSCA. Yeah, the CrossFit versus NSCA thing. I think you're right, Chase. I think the writing has been on the wall for a long time because those uh, fucks lots and lots of different things have been happening that have been, um, you know, sort of foreshadowing this event mm. and the NSCA published fraudulent data. They made up a whole bunch of shit about how dangerous CrossFit is. They use that information to hurt CrossFit's business. Yeah. CrossFit proved that they made it up. And then not only did they prove that they made it up, but they proved that they made it up maliciously mm-hmm. by finding a bunch of fucking emails where they're like, you know what? We should fuck this CrossFit thing up. Why don't you make yeah. up injury data? Yeah. And if I, if I remember correctly, the, the way that the NSCA really played themselves. The fuck is happening? Damn, Siri. Oh, sorry, I touched my phone. The NSCA is listening to us, dog. Uh, the way that the NSCA really played themselves <laughs> is that right. they tried to sue CrossFit yeah, back. Yeah, that that's how they fucked up. So basically what happened was CrossFit had uh, filed a lawsuit against the NSCA. The NSCA had like claimed privilege on like a bunch of their internal communications, but in their infinite stupidity, decided to countersue CrossFit for saying like we're the fucking nsca you bitch you and what you're saying you is like liable yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and crossfit was like please please file a lawsuit against yes. us <laughs> please uh, because and it they, would all come out in the and they did and, that, and yeah. in the process of doing so opened up all their internal servers for discovery Yay. which not only cracked this whole shit with them being fraudulent and uh, malicious idiots mm-hmm. but also opened up 
all the relationships that were between like the Coca-Cola board exercises, right. medicine, uh, CDC, NIH, like this entire huge, like wild fucking conspiracy theory. That's absolutely true. And I haven't had the chance to follow up, but one of the things that I meant that we, when Cliff and I uh, talked about it briefly last night, it, I wondered, do we think that this is going to have a positive impact on just destroying those types of, not just this one organization, but there's so many of these quasi-scientific organizations no. that, have, that pour money into the things. And, well, at least if we sh- demonstrate, if it is demonstrated that you can't just make shit up and make science up for no fucking reason, you will be destroyed if you do that. Hopefully we can see less of this in the future. I don't know. Potentially. I think the NSCA is going to burn. Uh, I don't think there's any, I don't know if there's any out for them. Uh, Yeah. You know, someone commented on YouTube. They were like, you know, the NSCA, this might seem like a big deal, but you know, the NSCA is like a really well-respected organization Mm -hmm. in strength and conditioning. I'm like, well, it might seem like a big deal because it is a big deal. Like the amount of money, this is $4 million, which is not damages. Mm -hmm. This is just $4 million that they owe CrossFit Mm -hmm. for the, this legal process. The damages are yet to be determined and the damages they're going to be responsible for is the actual material financial uh, loss Mm. that CrossFit has suffered, which which that quote from the judge like paints out entirely. She's like, I don't know if it's she Mm -hmm. she's like, basically, it's clear that CrossFit has missed out and uh, on growth and on uh, possible profits and income mm-hmm. because of this bullshit article mm-hmm. and this, Absolutely. these allegations from the NSCA. Mm-hmm. On, on top of that, by the way, this $4 million, it's more than 50% of the NSCA's liquid assets. <laughs> more, more than 50? More than 50% of the <laughs> NSCA's liquid assets. Oh, fuck and them. And their, their insurance companies are suing them yes. because... They can't. They won't cover fraud. Yes, insurance doesn't cover illegal activities, ah. right? so they won't pay for anything that they've been doing. Ah. The NSCA countersuit might That's be funny. might go down as one of the worst mistakes any company has ever made in oh. terms of their their financial future. Who advised them that? The, or, or no, it probably was. They thought that well, we're the NSCA. If we countersue them, they'll, they'll get scared, scared and, and they out. had no idea. To quote the searchers again, that there's just a kind of critter that just keeps coming, and that that's is exactly right. what Greg Glassman and he's the kind of critter that just keeps yeah. coming. Yeah, it uh, just keep on coming, I, keep I coming on. They there underestimated Green's uh, conspiracy yeah, theory brain. They absolutely yeah. did. I, I think I think it's reasonable. It's it's a reasonable projection into the future to to guess that the NSCA just will not exist as it has. Good. Uh, it could it could just be completely fucking shut down Good. and liquidated. Good. Uh, years down the road after like appeals and shit are over. Good. But yeah, there, there's there's literally not only that. By the way, even if they could survive the financial blow, which they can't, mm-hmm. uh, even if they could survive the financial blow, it paints a picture of an organization that has set itself up as a disinterested third party. That actually mm-hmm. has been making up data mm-hmm. in order to to move itself forward. Like mm-hmm. what else? The question is, what else is it acting in this way towards? Right? How mm-hmm. else is it behaving in this uh, uh, immoral, illegal, fraudulent way? Mm-hmm. So I well, mean, they, they all are, aren't they? Go ahead, sorry, Chase. I was, was going to say. Um, so I'll play the other side of it. Uh, this is something that's super super easy for us to see because we're mm-hmm. in the in the CrossFit niche and we're mm-hmm. aware of Glassman and we're aware of this this case. But I guarantee you that there's still 
people out there pursuing their NSCA certification that have no idea that this even happened sure. and mm-hmm. still view, just like today, there's people that still view uh, you know, low-fat options as the better option mm-hmm. at the store and vegan and gluten-free as the healthier option at the store because that is what has been communicated to them their whole life. Mm-hmm. So there's still these coaches that believe that they're doing what is best to try to change someone's life and they're going through the NSCA believing that that's an organization that will help them do that. Is that the, I mean, that's the thing. is that the, the whole thing is innately deceptive because it's all about creating the 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 appearance of legitimacy when in fact they're just they're just sort of shills for sugar money or whatever is putting That's money good, in their pocket that should be the name whether of the it, whether it's this or it's the fucking american heart association right. or any one of these fucking things that have really official sounding names they're just a name for a bunch of opportunists and a but worse than opportunists separatists people, yes they're people who take money to hurt other people it's ridiculous and the fact is like i hope that the i hope that this this lawsuit kills them and then i hope from the future these organizations just don't exist anymore of all types, yeah, you know, and uh, well, because again, all these certifications and and uh, lobbying groups and all the things that are advocating for health, which are doing exactly the opposite. I mm-hmm. want you know they should all vanish. Uh, one of the things that <laughs> should get wrecked. Yeah, yes. one of the things that that uh, CrossFit has been trying to do, and it's like, listen, I get it. It's really it's a really weird look mm-hmm. that a private company is suing you know the nsca is Mm -hmm. suing a bunch of these like big organizations that are set up as these like bastions of Mm -hmm. science and health and the well-being the interested in the well-being of everyone right yeah but the fact is that all of these organizations are incestually related in the worst way possible like they're taking money from the worst organizations to do bad science in order to... to Disingenuous bad science, not just yep. poorly executed. Not just, yeah, like purposefully bad science in order to, to uh, uh, benefit financially people who don't give a fuck about your health and safety and security. Yes. And... Where uh, worse, they care about your your health and safety, and that you stay sick, so you can right. keep going to the pharmaceutical companies. That's right. And on top yeah. of that, they're blatantly hiding mm-hmm. by breaking laws the these connections. Like one of the things that uh, Russ Green and CrossFit have been really aggressively sort of pursuing through uh, Freedom of Information Act uh, requests are the reports that government entities like the CDC and the NIH are required to release Mm -hmm. for where they get their donations from. And for years, these organizations have basically been saying, now we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's fucking crazy. They're just not doing what they're legally required to do. Dude, I love it. And, (laughs) uh, the the, big dick energy we're starting, we're starting to see, uh, various sort of like, uh, Congress people, you know, getting in on like, like, putting pressure on these organizations to release these these donor lists yes. because once you start seeing this web of like oh the you know exercises medicine is being funded by Gatorade which is funded by Coca-Cola and they're funding you know the mm-hmm. these uh, uh, studies by the CDC that tell you you need to drink more sugared water mm-hmm. what the fuck does that mean or that Where sugared water is not that bad or, or that, that it's not that bad or that right. fat is worse yes you know and it's, all of these things that are just all it is literally sugar money that's just trying to get trying to demonize fat yeah. so that you will eat more sugar and then 
and then everyone's like, oh, that's a really interesting conversation. And then a month later, the fucking American Heart Association will say, hey, guess what? As it turns out, coconut oil is bad for you. You should have more vegetable oil. And all of your fucking friends share it on Facebook and like, take this, all of my paleo friends eating all your coconut oil. Look, American Heart Association says it's bad for you. I'm like, do you know what that is? Yeah. Did you even look? No, it just sounds official, doesn't it? It it's just crazy. sounds good. It's crazy. It has American in it. Yeah. It just it's, sounds good. It, it is... Uh, it it really yeah. is a shame I mean, because what you end up seeing is this uh, this like disinformation campaign sort of like spreading out amongst yeah. people who don't necessarily you know are not necessarily like scientifically mm-hmm. literate enough or informed of what's actually happening with these organizations. Oh well, I would like to see the un- layers the onion keep getting peeled back and peeled back. It might not get peeled back all the way because there's so many layers, but eventually they could get peeled back all the way back to the early 1970s with the creation of the food pyramid. That's uh-huh. really where all this came about. The government yeah. had never before recommended that Americans eat anything. Decided to put together a government commission, a government panel of a few d- different politicians to put official recommendations for what Americans. I'm should eat. Richard Nixon, and yes. I recommend you eat yes. a dick. And yeah. all all of did. those rec- all, all the people doing those recommendations were bought and sold by big agricultural lobbyists to produce the food pyramid to tell them to eat in proportion to what the agricultural lobbyists would make the most money on. Yeah. Well, see what you want to do. That's it's, why the bottom of the food pyramid is a big, broad thing that says tons of grains and shit yeah. because of agriculture money going through lobbyists into the government. And that is it. That is your fucking... All this bullshit from your fucking obese everything to whatever, man. And once the government decides what the standard is, which and they decide the standard entirely by being just paid off by industry lobbyists, it then gives... Since the government is also involved in giving funding to all scientific research, it then will fund, will only give money to fund scientific research that adheres to the paradigm. If you want to do a scientific study to help further the uh, cause of yeah, getting people to money. eat according to the yeah. food payment, you get money. If you want to do a study away from that, you won't get money, and you'll get kicked out of the various professional mm-hmm. organizations. You'll need to raise the money by other means, but that money is not forthcoming. Yeah, and then so it's all it's, but it's all just nakedly. There's nothing behind it no. besides some people getting big stacks of cash from fucking big farmers in the early '70s. That's where all of this nonsense came from, and. And fuck so, you. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah. Fuck you. But uh, what I'm saying is, this is all, all this Coca Cola and SEA stuff is just the current manifestation of that process, which goes all the way back to the early 70s. So, could it, the, the, the layers of the onion are so many that's. Can we finally be fixing the problem? Can we finally fixing the problem? Maybe. I would yeah, just like yeah. to see it get all the way brought back to the foundation of just. I don't know. Just cavemen okay. bopping cave women over the head and taking them back to their cave. <laughs> That's right? what I'm saying. That's go. what I was leading go. it back to. Bop. Yeah. yeah. Or somewhere in the middle. I Ooh, need uh, some shit with some bop in it. Yeah. You guys mess with the baby? It- <laughs> the bop? What? God damn it. God damn it. What are you what are these hip hop references, Chase? God French Montana is an outlaw who has been <laughs> who has been caught by the law. What is oh. bop? Bop? You gotta you gotta listen to Bop. It's oh, a good okay. song. It's bop a bop. Is a, a song? Yeah, and it oh. bops. Oh, oh, I've heard that. Yeah, I get it. The dogs are wrestling. Uh, um, Chase, were you going to say something in there? Oh, I was going to say, even if you do get money from one of these uh, conglomerates, 
um, to do a study, and then that study does not prove the paradigm, then that study will never actually be published, yeah. and it might as well not happen. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, this is, and the, the thing is, like, and even if they find that research, they'll fucking hide it anyway. Absolutely, so. people were understandably and uh, and correctly outraged when they realized that tobacco industry was not only funding studies that were supposed mm. to show that tobacco wasn't unhealthy but was healthy for you, <laughs> yep. but also they were advertising their fucking product to children. Yep. In order to create the next generation of their of their clients and, and now we find out and now we're finding out that hey it turns out fucking tobacco is not good for you and you shouldn't be selling that shit to kids yeah. guess what the fuck big I uh, like you know what's the pharmace- pharmaceutical industry doing what's the sugar industry doing they're doing the exact same thing they're yep. funding studies that tell you that their shit's fine that it's not going to hurt you that it's good for you to be on statins for your entire fucking life that's good for it's you to be weird. eating sugar is, uh, your entire I, life I just want yeah. to get to the point where it becomes obvious to everyone that the entire scientific government scientific establishment is nothing but this. I think eventually it'll get to the point yeah. where it becomes obvious to people with yes, all notice, these things coming out. Notice all the things where you see the biggest ills. The, oh my God, can you believe that millions of Americans are <clears throat> on opioids or millions of Americans are obese because of sugar or millions of... Every time when these things pop up, these big societal ills, it's always because we have a wonderful meeting between uh, between some sort of product because it's a big utility like uh, pharmaceuticals or whatever or food and the, and the government deciding at some point that they know the best thing for you to do. And as it turns out, they don't. But once they decide on something, they commit to that path forever. Right. Well, it's, it's inherent in the idea of once the government decides to, let's say, fund science, so the, we're going to give the government the power to fund science, it couldn't possibly go any other way. Once you give the government the power to fund science, well, on what basis will they decide what science to fund? Pray tell. Will they have angels of perfect wisdom deciding the best possible things and paths kind for of. scientific endeavor? Or will it be bunch of flunkies who weren't smart enough to get real jobs in the real world who now get paid bribe money mm-hmm. by big industry people to do whatever they say. This isn't, and guess what? It's not just funding science. It's with so many things, almost everything the government does. Yes. Once, it, once you give it a power that it didn't have before, it's not going to be angels of perfect wisdom who are super s- smarter than everyone else who know the best path forward. It it'll just be it'll just be fucking morons getting bribed under the table and self interested morons at that. So yeah, yeah. Word. You okay, Chase? Yeah. Well, it was just <laughs> really <laughs> fun <laughs> to watch. <laughs> Did the mic go up again? Was it like, uh, yeah, uh, boner mic. Boner, boner mic. Yeah, I put more weight on that thing. Uh, it's too strong. Yeah, to hold up a towel. Yeah. So uh, long story short, the NSA is uh, figgity fucked. <laughs> And uh, it's probably not going to do much to change the overall landscape of corruption in health sciences, mm. but it certainly will be a good start. Yes. <laughs> and I would say uh, congratulations to CrossFit for, you know, at least starting to slay this dragon. Hell yeah. Congrats. Societal good. That's right. Uh, but, about good but and evil I th- tonight. I think we can all agree, though, that CrossFit uh, uh, went <clears throat> totally the wrong direction by focusing on this shit and not on regionals. Yes. Thank you. CrossFit. That's a good point. Yeah. Totally bringing it home in a big really way. Point. That really is a really good point. point. Here's here's yeah. a controversial. Now take. we have to talk longer. Fuck. Yeah. Here's, okay. Here's a, right before we right before we end <laughs> this. Here's a controversial it. take. 
the focus on the CrossFit games from CrossFit was the worst thing to ever happen to CrossFit. Yeah. How, yeah. How's that for a controversial take? Ooh, uh, let's clip this out and start it later because I think people need to hear this. Armin, <laughs> preach, please. The fact of the matter is uh, if you are told and taught and exposed to the only mm-hmm. context of your exercise and training is to be competitive, mm-hmm. that's the only that's the only lens through which you're going to look at things and you're going to fuck yourself really fucking hard, really fucking fast. If you are two not, surgeries for me, that's right. If you are not given the context that, Hey man, you can do this thing for 10, 20 years, 30 years and have like, you know, healthful consequences yeah. instead of hurtful consequences mm-hmm. and burnout. If you're not given that context, you're not told that, from the get-go, if every message is, well, we do the open so that some people can go to regionals, and then those people do regionals so that some people can go to the games, and then we all watch the games so we can get excited to do the open again mm-hmm. so that some people can go to the regionals, and then some of those people go to the games, if that's the only context you're given, you are being fucked. Yes. That sounds like a great cycle. Can we do yeah. that again? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see any Chase, fault there. Th- things were going real good for Chase in that, 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 in that moment. I do empathize. Hashtag regionals. No, you know, here's the but, thing though about yeah. Chase. Uh, Chase is, Chase is, uh, and stop me if I'm wrong here, buddy. Chase is a smart guy who yes. competed hard wrong. in collegiate <laughs> exercise. He was a collegiate wrestler. He understands mm-hmm. competition and training, and he chooses to be a, a competitive CrossFitter yes. by choice, with full understanding of what that means for his life and, and reality continuously has validated that decision for him absolutely because he, what, what is not it works right what is not happening chase's chase actually made it to regionals and then after regionals mm-hmm. disappeared made the conscious decision to continue being competitive at crossfit yes whereas conscious decision conscious decision <laughs> keyword i mean you know, a lot maybe of momentum there could be some cte <laughs> from from all the wrestling but either way there was a decision made as so you mean to, to tell me there's no regionals? Yeah. As yes. opposed to an entire generation of CrossFitters who walked into the gym to get healthier and get a six pack and look sexy for their significant other mm-hmm. or to get a significant other mm-hmm. who were pigeonholed into being quote unquote good at CrossFit, which yeah. is the stupidest fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. thing for the general population to care yeah. about. Yes. And that's the thing. I, I, I completely agree. And for those of you who would make the counter argument right now it's like but why can't it be both it's like because as a question of both emphasis within that company and culturally the emphasis on one thing was having an active negative effect on the amount of emphasis that was being placed on the other thing which was crossfit as a revolution uh, in public health and and which is kind of a big scary word but even though that public health wasn't in my mind when I started CrossFit. When I started CrossFit back in 2008, I guess, um, a big part of it was the the motivation that, oh shit, the way that people eat and the way that people do fitness in the world are wrong and the um, information that's out there about what is right, you know, just if you pick up a bodybuilding magazine or running, which were the only two options for physical exercise or like eating fucking low fat yogurt. Holy shit. Everything we're being told is wrong. We need to figure out not just how to do right by ourselves, but change the world outside in a way so that, you know, people don't continue to be poisoned by all of this bad stuff. And that was part of it. But then also 
it's the exercise is kind of magic and you can get really good at it. And the distraction of the fact that the exercise is kind of magic and it's really cool to see the people who are really good at it do it really fucking well ended up eating so much culturally and eating up so much clearly in with internally within the organization that that focus just was lost somewhere along the way. And it's really interesting to see it return to or to see us return to it now because it's not just lip service. They are making actual blows in the war uh, for kind of the salvation of our public health space. And they're making a difference right now. So again, it's a perfect time, and thank you, Cliff, for bringing it up, because we didn't do it to look back on all of this fucking nonsense we've been talking for two years about regionals versus games versus this and blah, blah. It's like, if this is why Greg Glassman was doing the things that he was doing, then I'm all the more happy that he was doing all of those things, and I hope he continues to do those things more in the future, so... All right. Yeah, that was great. I think that'll do it, folks. Yeah. It's good. That was a good ending to the episode. It was a long podcast, I that think. Was a good, that was a good long one, but we were yeah. gone for a while, so it makes yeah. sense. Uh, let's go and get everyone's social medias out there. Hey, I am at Mr. Kyle Bogart on the most sensual Instagram on the account on the internet. I am at Cliff Bogart on a still fat Instagram account on the internet. I'm at Chase504 on Instagram. And you can find me at Arm & Hammer TV. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Really appreciate all the support here. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. Later. Later. I love you. Ha, 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 ha.